Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to the following message provided by Renewed Church. We pray that this message will be a blessing and encouragement for you. For more information about our church, please visit www.renew.miami. Thank you so much for being here, everyone, and uh, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to uh, call myself pastor of this church. And um, man, what a what a what a privilege! That's that's pretty much all I can say about it. And, we're launching a brand new series this morning. It's called This Is Us. And so it's uh, going to last through the month of October and, and maybe beyond a week or so. I'm still kind of working out if, if I can get everything that I want to in, in the next five weeks or not. But it's our fall sermon series for sure. And we're going to be talking about what we're passionate about. We're going to be talking about who we are and using scripture and local context to, to talk about what our core values are, what makes Renew Church Renew Church. It's what we're seeking to grow with and around. And, and um, man, if you're part of Renew Church, this series is about you. If you're a part of Renew Church, this series is about you. This is, this is who we are, and this is who you are, and we, we just want to wanna talk about that. This Is Us is, is kind of um, fitting for this story that I heard a, a long time ago, and maybe you've heard it before, but it's a story of a young couple they had just newly been married, and the husband was watching his bride make dinner. And uh, she was making the, the, the kitchen begin to smell so good, and he was super excited about a home-cooked meal. And she pulled the, the, the ham out of the refrigerator, and she took the ham out of the refrigerator and unwrapped it and chopped off both ends of that ham and put it on the pan, in the pan, and put it in the oven, and as soon as she did it, the husband, like, gets up from what he's doing, sees her across the kitchen, sees what she did, and said, what in the world? Why did you just do that? Why did you just cut off that ham and throw it into the garbage? She said, that's just what you do. He said, that's what who does? I've never seen that before in my life, and again, that's good ham you wasted throwing it into the garbage. He was looking at it as he was talking to her. She said, that's the way my mom always prepared it, so that's just the way I did it. So together they called their mom, her mom, and said, Mom, uh, my husband's here, and he's complaining because we just cut the ends of the ham off of the, 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 uh, the, the ends of the ham off of it before I put it in the oven, and I always watched you do it. So what happens with that? I don't know why we do it, but why do you do it? And she said, you know, honey, I, I don't know why. I know you've always watched me do it, but... I've just always done it because I've watched my mother do it. So the young lady and her husband got on the phone with grandma. And they called grandmother and grandma's uh, uh, up there in years. And, and uh, she, her frail little voice picks up the phone. And she says, uh, hey, grandma, it's me. And um, my husband and I, we just cooked our very first ham together. And I did what you've always done and what mom's always done. I just cut the ends of the ham off to put it into the oven. But my husband says that I should... Not have done that because I wasted the ham. Grandma, why do you cut the ends of the ham off before putting it into the oven to bake it? She said, honey, that's so easy. It's because my pan was too small. This is us. And this is why we do what we do. We're talking about the things that make Renew Church, Renew Church, and we're talking about the things that, that are going to identify us. So even before I get into the sermon this morning, I'm, I'm going to invite a couple of friends up. I'm going to invite my friend Jesse Miller up from Norma Butler Bassard. So Jesse, if you come up and everybody else will give her a round of applause as she comes. 
And I'm also going to invite Shana, unless you had a, a representative on your behalf. Shana, you are my representative. Shana Navarin, she's one of ours. She's part of our church, uh, been a faithful part, but she also serves on the Norma butler Bassard PTA. So, ladies, welcome. And uh, it's so good to see you. How are you doing? Awesome, awesome. So, so this is Jesse. And Jesse and, and uh, Shana have uh, been uh, actively a part of this school for several years. And, uh, man, they have been lifesavers to us. The, the PTA has been a lifesaver to us at Renew Church, but also the administration and the school. And so we just we want to say thank you to you. We're talking a little bit this morning in this first message in this series about kids and the importance of kids. And, and, and our actual uh, topic this morning is, is that we pursue the next generation. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning. So, Jesse, I've asked you to come up to answer this question for me. And, Shane, I'm not going to put you on the spot with it, but I just, uh, I'll just i let uh, Jesse answer for us. Jesse, um, Renew Church, one of our core values is that we pursue the next generation. Tell us how we're doing. Like, give us a, a grade on this and tell us, tell us how we're doing as a church as it relates to Norma butler Bassard. Can you do that? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, well, Renew Church has been a blessing to Norma Bassard um, in many ways. First of all, they have helped us, uh, backed us up on a lot of projects that we've done, not only financially, but also with the church's connections. Uh, sometimes we're limited by the things that we can and cannot do, and it has been really great even just to talk to Pastor Trevor, to bounce off of him, and to have Renew Church present at our school activities, and to reach out to the students and the staff and the parents of our school and our community. And we thank you. Awesome. 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 Yeah, give her a round of applause. Jesse, one more question. How can, we, how can we do better? Is there anything that you could see that we as a church could do to pursue the next generation as it relates in this school, which is kind of like our, our second home, our, the place where we call home? How can we do better at that? Is there anything that you would like for us or you'd want us to do? Um, I don't really know what you could do better, but I know that we can continue to work together as a community and, uh, you know, help each other out. You know, when the school needs help, we reach out to you and vice versa. And that's really a blessing in itself just to have someone that you can trust and that you can count on and that will pull through. So thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Give Jesse a round of applause. Shana, anything you want to add, anything that you would say to us in that? Just thank you on behalf of our school PTA. You've been a really good partner there. Um, we don't have a lot of money to work with. The school doesn't have a lot of money to work with. The budget is tight. Um, and you've really helped us in that aspect. And also, like with the beautification project, getting your hands dirty, coming in on a Saturday and working with us. And it's really been a pleasure. And we thank you very much. Awesome. Give Shana a round of applause. Hey, and, and on, behalf of, uh, on behalf of Renew Church, um, we have a, a gift for uh, the, the school as well as the PTA because we see the work, the tireless work that you guys do. And this is just to say, um, man, thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's give them a rousing round of applause. Thank you. God bless you guys. All right. All right. Thank you. Man, I, I, I just, I hope that you guys get the point that... Um, you know, and that's going to be the point this morning, from, from the child dedications to what we do on this campus to everything we do, we're trying to emphasize the fact that kids matter. 
that we care about the next generation. It's fitting that we just finished a series on building the family, and, and uh, I think it's also fitting that we start this series talking about pursuing the next generation. We're not going to be talking about kids every week. This is the only week of this, but I just want to emphasize the fact that, uh, you know, there are some pretty staggering statistics you know, the CDC says that 6 million kids ages 2 to 17 uh, deal with um, ADHD. Uh, 4.5 million kids have diagnosed behavioral issues, and that's diagnosed behavioral issues. 4.4 million kids in our country have diagnosed anxiety. 1.9 million kids deal with depression. And so we as Renew Church here in West Kendall, Miami, Florida, we're doing our part. I'm not saying that we're helping everybody in every other part of the country, but we're doing our part because we care about the kids in our community and we want to make a difference because we know those statistics sound just like big numbers, but they also relate to kids that maybe you live in or around or with. And so it's so significant to me that we talk about this, that we emphasize this, because kids are growing up in a really, really tough world. We also, it's important that we talk about this because less than 23, according to, to Barna research, less than 23% of Christians today made that decision to follow Christ, to become a Christian after their 21st birthday. Less than 23%. So in other words, kids from 21 and under 77% of kids, of people that profess to be a follower of Christ, do it before they're 21 years old. That's how significant it is, and we have to pay attention and care about our kids. 77%. And the age of acceptance impacts their commitment as well, because people who become Christian before their teen years are more likely than those who are converted when older to remain absolutely committed to Christianity. When they grow up from that age and they grow up in the faith, they will come back to or they will stay committed to their faith more so than the person that may follow Christ and convert to Christianity at an older age. This morning, I'm going to be reading from Mark chapter 9. But before we even get there, I want to give you just a little bit of context. And I know we, we're, uh, we're pressed for time a little bit because of the things that we've already taken place. But I want to talk to you just for a minute about, about how important kids are. But before I can get to that, I want to talk to you about an, a, a significant moment in Jesus' life. It was called the transfiguration. Anybody ever heard of the transfiguration of Christ? A few people have. I'm going to fill you in, the rest of you that don't. That's all right. Here's what transfigured means, first of all. If you were to uh, look this up, it's like, uh, the defi- dictionary says tran- transfigured means to transform into something more beautiful or elevated. So Jesus was transfigured into something more beautiful or elevated in the transfiguration. His clothes became dazzling white. Whiter than, the Bible says, anyone could bleach them. Sorry, Misty, I mean, better than Clorox. The, the, Moses and Elijah showed up at the transfiguration. That's how important this moment was. And there was a voice from heaven, God speaking down at the moment of the transfiguration, saying, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. I want to just stop, stop for a minute. I want to talk about Jesus' friends that showed up that day on that mountain for the transfiguration. The first one was Moses. Moses is important because Moses equated to the Old Testament law. Like when you think about who Moses was, you think about the Ten Commandments 
and you think about this terminology, maybe if you've grown up, grown up in church, you've heard of the Mosaic Law because he was the one that helped to write the law. Jesus came, though, and he fulfilled the laws. He fulfilled the commandments, and he did that to provide a way for us. You see, when Moses brought problems, when Moses brought and presented the problems in life and said, these are the things that are wrong with God's people, Jesus presented the answer. In fact, Jesus was the answer, and that's part of what the transfiguration is all about. Elijah, the other man in that moment on the mountain, he was also an outstanding figure in the Old Testament. He was a great prophet, and his appearance with Moses on the mount testified that Jesus fulfilled the prophets, all of the Old Testament prophecies, all of those things that you would see, it would mean that Jesus being there with Elijah would say, hey, Jesus is the fulfillment of not only the law, but the prophets. So Jesus is dressed there in a robe that all of a sudden is transfigured, transformed. He's dazzling all of a sudden. He's got the references, Moses and Elijah. And then he gets the recommendation from God himself that says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. But then all of a sudden Moses and Elijah disappear from the scene. And it's just Jesus. And I think like though he might still be glowing because these people are, are, are uh, interested in what's going on when Jesus comes down off the mountain. They can see something different. Mark chapter 9 is our scripture and I want you to read this with me. This is immediately following the transfiguration of what I would just describe to you. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. And as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and they ran to greet him. Wonder why they were overwhelmed with wonder. Again, maybe because he was dazzling. Maybe because he had like a sparkle robe on. I don't know exactly, but they were awestruck by what Jesus looked like. Jesus says, what are you arguing with them about? man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, he gnashes his teeth, and he becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. You see, the first thing I notice in this passage of Scripture is, is that Jesus, he's coming down this mountain after the transfiguration, immediately the verses before were the transfiguration, and his other friends, his disciples, they're caught in an argument, not with just anyone, but with the teachers of the law. Again, the law of Moses, that's who they were arguing with. If only these people would have just seen, just minutes before Jesus and who he was with, like he was right there with their leader, with Moses, not to downplay the importance of many of the other fathers of the faith, including Abraham and Isaac and David and Elijah and Elisha and David and Solomon and Samuel. But this would be that perfect opportunity if you had your iPhone to just capture a selfie and say, you wouldn't believe who I was just with. They were arguing with him because they didn't know who they were talking to. You see, the teachers of the law, they didn't have the faith that the disciples had. They had no faith for Jesus. What did they need faith for? Why would they even need faith when they had the law? There would be no importance for them for, the, for their life and for their agenda. And they definitely had no faith for Jesus because he was leading a rebellion and they were threatened by what he had to say, by his teachings. 
They were persecutors of Jesus and his followers. And this was an opportunity for the teachers of the law to show the crowd, these people, that their fake leader has no power, that he's a fraud. He's coming down the mountain. There's a big crowd gathered around, and there's an argument ensuing. And they're like, let me just show you that this guy that you think is somebody is really nobody. So Jesus walks on the scene in his ultra-bright, glow-in-the-dark, glow-in-the-day robe. And he puts some people in their place in Mark chapter 9. And Jesus is like, hey, what are you arguing with them about? And the man says, I brought my son. He's demon-possessed. He's got an evil spirit. He goes into these convulsions. And I asked your disciples to cast him out, but they couldn't. And at that point, they had the crowd's attention with everybody looking, everybody wondering what's going to happen next. This is good entertainment. Jesus could have shown them how important he was. At that point in time, he could have, he could have looked past the boy and decided he's more important than that. Like he doesn't have time for that. This was an opportunity, to, though, to show the teachers of the law. He could have shown them how smart he was with his law and the prophets. He could have just broken down the scriptures and showed them that he was the fulfillment of the law. He could have called Moses back. And said, Moses, could you come here for a minute? I need you to meet some people. I need you to talk to some people for me. All of these things were options. Why? Because he was the son of God. Because he was Jesus. And that's a huge setup just to say Jesus loves the kids. That's a huge explanation. That's a huge, like, uh, trying to give you all of this just to make sure you understand that Jesus loves children. Matthew chapter 18, I'm jumping out of a passage and I'm moving to another passage. The gospel of Matthew, the stories of Jesus according to one of his disciples named Matthew. In Matthew 18, it's known as the fourth discourse. And it emphasizes the importance of humility and self-sacrifice in the kingdom life. And this is what it says. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and they asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You know what they're asking for, right? Again, they want to be built up. They want to get uh, recognition. They want the accolades. And they're saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a little child to him. And he placed them among them, the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, truly, I tell you is a key word. You need to hear that because what it really means is I'm binding. This is a binding contract. This is a binding agreement. Truly, I tell tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of the child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. But, and this is my emphasis, but, verse 6, but, Kids are important. If anyone, but if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Like, we love to talk about the loving, grace-filled, good Jesus that, that uh, is always happy with everything, but that's a pretty powerful statement. It's not super seeker friendly. It's, it's like, listen, don't mess with my kids. 
it would be better for you to, to die than to mess with my kids. This is significant. So when Jesus say, is answering the question, who's the greatest, it's not about the po- political power. It's not about the rich. It's not about the military powers. It's these snotty-nosed, messed-up-haired, dirty-faced little kids running around here. And he says, these are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. They have no status. They have no influence. They're humble. They're 100% dependent. When's the last time you told your kid to, to, you know, your your two-year-old to, you know, pay the rent for you, right? When's the last time you told him to to go shopping for his own uh, school clothes? They're 100% dependent. They show unconditional love. They have total trust. Watching these babies up here, just you just know, like... If mom and dad took them up on the stage, they would go. If mom and dad took them up a ladder up way up there, for whatever reason, wherever mom and dad said to go, they would go. That's just the way that is. And I'll bet you, even if these kids or their parents were in a meeting with the president of the United States or some other important person, if they were in their home and the little kid wanted their mom's attention, they wouldn't care who it is. They wouldn't care. They wouldn't stop what they were doing. They would run and jump on mom's lap and give her the biggest hug. They wouldn't care about anybody else. They would do what they need to do to get mom's attention. That's the kind of dependency that Jesus is talking about. That is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. But then he says, if you cause those, the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, to sin, it's better, though, for you to tie that millstone around your neck. Those are strong words, again, to tell you how much Jesus cares about kids and how important it is that we care and that we love kids and that we pursue the next generation. I want to go back to Mark. I want to go back to the story of the boy. Mark chapter 9, verse 20. So they brought him. Jesus had just got through saying in verse 19, bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the Spirit saw Jesus, in other words, the Spirit that had possessed this boy, when the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground. He rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Why? Because Jesus is the enemy of Satan. That's, that's the reality of it. That's, that's why, because Satan, who was possessing this child or one of the demons, saw Jesus, and he couldn't control himself. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he said. It has thrown him often into the lake or the, f- the fire or the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. I mean, if you can, really? Like you're talking to the guy that just came off the mountain. You're talking to the guy that just got through having a conversation with Moses and Elijah, and he outlasted them. And you're talking to the guy that just had a a, a call out from God himself saying, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. The father says, I do believe. Help me overcome my belief, unbelief, verse 24. 
And when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. He said, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. But it's not over yet. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said that he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After he had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind comes only out by prayer. Some versions say prayer and fasting. This morning, I want to I just emphasize four things that need to happen. Four points, four key thoughts of what needs to happen to the next generation as we pass our legacy on to them. Four things that we need to do. Number one, we need to believe in them. We need to believe in them. The, the father dealing with his son, he says, if you can, Jesus. And Jesus is like, if you can, you don't know who you're talking to. It's time that you start believing in who I am and what I can do. And Jesus says, everything is possible for one who believes. Man, sometimes we do the same thing. Sometimes we look past young people. Sometimes we think they don't count. Sometimes we think that the, the world has a grip on them that cannot be broken. Or worse yet, we think that they're already dead. Like there's no hope for these kids. And we just say, oh man, the next generation, those, those millennials, those, those, I, I can't handle those kids. I can't stand those kids today. We've got to believe in them. Second thing we've got to do is we've got to give them a second chance. We've got to give them a second chance. That kid was as good as dead, and before that he was overcome by an evil spirit. We're too quick to give up on kids that seem like they're not going anywhere or that they're under the wrong influence. But at Renew, we're pursuing the next generation, and that means we will offer second chances and third chances and fourth chances and 77th chances, whatever it takes. We've got to care about our kids, and we've got to believe in them. We've got to offer them that second chance. When nobody else believed, when nobody else thought there was a chance, Jesus did. The third thing is, is they need a touch from God. And sometimes that touch comes through us. It says the boy looks so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. Like as if to say, thank you, Jesus. You just delivered my son from an evil spirit, but now he's dead? I think I'd rather have the old guy back, the old kid back. That was a tough moment because everybody began to murmur. Everybody began to question, what did we just watch? They thought he was dead, but Jesus took him by the hand, it says, and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. Sometimes that touch comes through us. When you're in life, who in your life needs a touch from God? There's someone in your life that needs a touch from God, and you have the opportunity to be the hand of God to them. You have that privilege, that opportunity, actually that obligation to be the hand of God to them because maybe they won't get it from anywhere or anyone else. 
So you have to offer them a touch. Touches include quality time. Sometimes just a quick text. Hey, I believe in you. A friendly hug or a high five. Or maybe that touch from God is just your help. I'm going to help you. Why would you help me? I didn't do anything for you. I know. I just love you. I just care about you. I just want to help you. The next generation needs us to believe in them. They need second chances. They need a touch from God. And finally, they need prayer. After Jesus had gone indoors, the verse says, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive him out? Jesus said, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. Our kids need our prayers. Amen? Our kids need our prayers. It's our job to pray for them. It's our job to lift them up. This is the key to their success, to their future. The disciples were trying to do it in their own strength. They were trying to do it in their own power. And maybe they had done it before and it worked, but this time it didn't. And they were like, I don't know what to do. And Jesus showed up and he said, it's not just because I'm sparkling white. It's not just because of the things that I just got doing on the mountain. It's because this kind only comes through prayer and fasting. So let me ask you, what is the impossible for you? What is the thing that's going on in your life and you're like, there is no way I've done everything, everything. I've tried it all. Well, let me ask you this. Have you prayed? Have you fasted? Have you sought the heart of God and said, God, would you please touch my child? Would you deliver this young man or woman from whatever it is? They need us. The next generation needs us. And it's sometimes we're in that moment where like the father. And he's like, Jesus, he says to Jesus, if you can do something, would you do it? And Jesus is like, if you can. And the father goes, I do believe. I'm sorry. Help my unbelief. And I've been there where that father stood. Like, I believe, God, I believe you can do it. But help my unbelief because there's a piece of me, there's a part of me that's just really struggling with really and fully, totally believing. But we've got to pray and believe. This morning, as we conclude the sermon and as we conclude the service, We've done some cool things for for some little ones. Um, We've got some bigger ones, though, that we don't want to miss out on. You know, I was a youth pastor for seven years before being the pastor of this church and a a former ministry. I was a pastor for five and a half years before I was the pastor of a new church. But before that, in the mid-2000s, I was um, a youth pastor. And that was it. That was everything. Kids were everything. That wasn't a stepping stone to becoming a pastor. I didn't want to do anything else. I just wanted to reach the next generation. I just wanted to reach the next generation. I just wanted to reach the next generation. Like I cared. I was in the schools. I was in the high schools. I was doing all kinds of stuff trying to care about and reach and just uh, just help those kids. I've become a pastor and the next generation lives in my house. That generation And I've, I've almost neglected her. 
not as a father, but as a youth pastor, as a, as a, 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 a spiritual leader, because I'm so swamped and so busy and there's lots of adult pastoring. Adulting is hard, right? I need that t-shirt. But I can't neglect the next generation of teenagers as well. Hey, can I ask you to do something? If you were in college or in high school or in middle school, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to be really bold right now. If you're of college age, okay, so if you're 25 or under, let me just be clear because some of y'all are looking for ways out of this. You're looking for your loophole. Would you just come forward for just a minute? If you're in 25 or under in this room right now, would you just come forward right now for just a minute? face this this way just like this a couple more coming a couple more coming uh, I know we're running on time we're we're uh listen I'm our church is nine months old about 37 weeks old, something like that, 39, I don't know, something like that, I lost count. But I owe you an apology. Because I'm dealing with kids, and I'm dealing with adults, and I'm looking past some some next generation kids that teenagers and, and, and college students that matter more than more than anything so I want to pray with you and um, I'm going to ask somebody to come and he knows next generation really well he's a few generations older than you he's one generation more than me Hubens Dalva come up here Hubens and Dalva my pastor my friend, he's a pastor, retired, and, and he's going to come up. Hubens and Dalva are, are, are retired pastors, and, and they're supporting Renew Church. Um, and and uh, we're going to pray with them because they're, they're on their way to, uh, uh, on a trip to Brazil for five weeks. We're going to pray for them, but then I'm going to ask Hubens to pray for these kids. Can you do that? Did you do that, my brother? So gracious Heavenly Father. God, I thank you so much for uh, Hubens right now, and I thank you for Dalvin. I pray for them. I thank you for their example to me and their blessing on me and my family. Be with them and protect them as they uh, take a journey, God. Watch over them. Help them with their family and the challenges that they have. Guide them in everything that they do. Hubens, now lift this, uh, this, these young people up to you. Would you do that? Father, thank you for bringing all of us in front here now and we have these young people that they, they are thirsty for you that's why they came they are looking forward to see you and father they need you and we want to we want to place them before you now in jesus name while the pastor is touching them touch with your hands too father so they can feel that your presence is going to be with them take away from their hearts to the, all the depression all 
Father, anything that is disturbing their hearts. We want to bless this new generation. It was so good when I was 20. And you came to my heart and changed my life in a special way. And I want to ask you, Father, touch this young people's life. Change their lives. If she's not feeling you, if she's feeling alone, if she's feeling alone, if he's feeling alone, Father, please be with them. Don't let them walk by themselves. Because this is a promise of you. You said that we never will be, will be alone because you are, you are here with us. And I thank you for this group of young people and I bless them in all the ways that they need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give them a round of applause as they head back to their seats. God bless you. Shelby, come up here for a second. Shelby Contreras, come up here. Shelby, uh, her, her baby girl was dedicated to the Lord today, but she also... Uh, She's also committed to helping us lead our kids' ministry. I, I thought I saw her. She left again. Oh, man, I saw her, but I didn't see her. Okay, we'll just make that, make that happen another time. Um, man, guys, thank you so much. Let's, let's stand together. Let's sing this closing song, and uh, then we'll, we'll uh, come back together.
So we're committed. I'm committed. We're going to figure this out. We're going to get this uh, youth ministry up and going. We're going to do something for our students, for my daughter, and uh, for those that are a part of it. Pray for us. Pray for that. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Pray for that. And, and we're believing and knowing God's going to make a way. Shelby Contreras, come on up for just a second. Give us a word. Shelby is our, our volunteer. What a miracle. She just, her and her husband showed up one day with her beautiful little Enora, and they said, we want to serve at Renew Church. And um, so just give us a word of inspiration as we talk about pursuing the next generation. What do you want to say? So just this week, I was reading um, in Ephesians, and I'll just summarize it because it can feel like a lot at the end of service. Basically, Paul is writing to the Ephesians saying, hey, the same Holy Spirit that lives in the Jewish people also can can unite you to the Gentiles. So the same Holy Spirit that has united the Jews and the Gentiles, God's chosen and God's not chosen, but we are chosen now, can speak to our kids, can speak to a two-year-old, can speak to a 30-year-old child that you have at home or not at home. And so I just encourage you in this pursuing the next generation, don't even for myself, I have a two-year-old almost, I don't want to demoralize or, 
or degrade what my child can and can't hear from the Holy Spirit because the same Holy Spirit in me can speak to her no matter how old she is. So I'm going to pursue the next generation and what we're doing in kids ministry, that's our philosophy. We're pursuing them knowing that the Holy Spirit can speak to them from the nursery up to elementary. It doesn't need to be us telling them, hey, this is what God's telling you. No, when we read the scripture and teach the lesson, the Holy Spirit speaks to their hearts just as he does to us. And so I just encourage us as parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents, the Holy Spirit is speaking to this next generation just like he speaks to you. Amen. Amen. Aren't you glad? Wait, 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 wait. Aren't you glad she's our kids director? Yeah. Give her a round of applause. That's her only pay. That's your only pay is a round of applause. Pray for us. Pray for us and then hand it over to Mike. That you are putting in our hearts a burden to pursue this next generation. The joy that it is, the joy that was set before you, Jesus, to go to the cross. God, I pray that you would give us a revelation of that joy to run with a fierce heart that says, I will pursue them, not because it's my duty, but because you saved me, God, and you will save them just like you saved me. God, I thank you that this generation coming up, they will know the salvation of God, they will declare his glory. God, for our kids ministry, for every parent here. God, I pray a blessing over every parent that you would give them grace and strength to lead the children you have given them. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're not inspired right now, you don't have a heart in your chest right now. Wow, what a... What a service today. Can we just give praise to just everything that God is doing in this place this morning? My goodness. Our God is so good. So good. Man, this is the part of our worship. I feel I wish this service could just keep going on and on and on today. But this is the part of our, our service where we worship God through the giving of tithes and offerings. So I'm going to pray over that now. God, thank you for moving in this place this morning, Lord. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, God, and just the inspiration, Father God. Lord, we thank you for, for this church. We thank you for these people, God. We thank you for your hand on us all, Lord. Lord, I pray that you bless this offering this morning, Lord, and you bless these families, God, and you just continue to work through us and, and for us, God, and continue to build relationships with our brothers and sisters in this place, God. We thank you just your God. It's in Jesus' mighty and powerful name we pray. Amen. Well, that is it. Thank you so much. You're dismissed. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday, Sunday. Lost in my transgressions Wandering in sin Bye.